Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III, and we are beginning a new endeavor in the MCU as Falcon and the Winter Soldier has started. Uh, we're going to be recapping the first episode for you today. And we have with us today one of our first uh, our first teammate, Jake Christie, the super producer. Jake, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm excited to take up the shield. Uh, oh, wait, no, they gave it to someone else. Oof. That sucks. Oh boy. Yeah, we're going to definitely get into that uh, in a second. And also with us, the great uh, comic book writer, content creator all over the place, Stephanie Williams. What's happening? Hey, I'm ready to get into the flying, I'll say black man for this show. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> <laughs> the X Hydra uh, Wakanda moisturized nice. bars. <laughs> oh man so before we get into this episode and uh first jerome chan got the night off he'll be back with us next week shout out DMPCD. to jerome no it's actually dmp yeah. jd dmp jerome's decision <laughs> right 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 and um so before we get into this to the plot of this episode new world order um, I wanted to get your guys' general opinions on the episode because it's a completely different tone. It's a completely different type of show. Uh, Stephanie, I'll start with you. What were your general thoughts on the first episode? Um, I thought it was fine. Uh, like going into the series, it's not like I was extremely excited. So um, it did what it needed to do. Um, actually, if I think about it, I think it was a really great, um, like if this was a one issue comic, like it was really good in being set mm-hmm. up that way. Like that that episode was really blocked out well because of the way it starts, then what that leads to, and then also that that ending. And we'll talk about that guy that was introduced. Oh yeah, we most certainly will. Uh, Jake, how about you? I liked it. It was. I think at times, um, it it was it was a good table setter. I think in a way that. Is if I mean obviously no, not rocket science to say that this is a very different show than WandaVision. And I think even the way it starts, where they're just starting very clearly with like we're gonna play get all the plates out, all the forks, all the napkins, um, and then we're gonna sit serve dinner. Whereas WandaVision like kind of just threw you in the deep end and just like you were you there was no setting up. And I think obviously I think both approaches are valid. I think that um I think this episode actually was a little bit hand-strung by the fact that it wasn't released in tandem with another episode like they did with WandaVision because mm-hmm. I think that this is actually the type of episode where, well, while I like that Marvel's coming out with their shows weekly because I think that that's better for television, I think that this is the type of thing where if Marvel had released all six episodes at once, no one would remark, I think, about this episode being like boring or slow or something like that because mm-hmm. if you could just watch the next one, you would, you know? Um, but I liked it overall and I like what they're setting up, even if it hasn't all, even, even if none of it's paid off yet. Yeah. I think what's interesting about what I felt from this first episode was basically the small character moments that we both got separately with Mm -hmm. Sam and Bucky. I think separating them in this case, some people may argue that six episodes, yeah, they should get together immediately and start doing whatever. No, I actually thought this was like you guys said, um, in terms of table setting, it's good to kind of see where these characters are, and they're in two completely different places than from the last time that we well, saw yeah, them. Well, yeah, because I think the thing, too, is that, like, I think because we saw them fight hand-in-hand, hand, not literally hand-in-hand, hand, but next to each other in uh, Infinity War and Endgame, 
I think it's easy to take for granted, like, oh, they're going to be together, but they're still not close at all. Like they just have, like yeah. they're the, the thing that makes them close, quote unquote, is that they're both, you know, friends with Captain America. Like it's not logic. It's not a given that they would team up with each other, you know? Um, and right. I think that saying that they could start off with each other, that's missing at like the whole thing about a buddy cop movie a lot of times is that they have to introduce the two cops that don't get along. Like you have to see, you know, Riggs and Murtaugh separate in order to yeah. know that it's going to be fun to have them together. And speaking of uh, the police, they're uh, coming to get me. I don't know if you hear <laughs> that outside. Anyway. I do. <laughs> um, so let's jump right into it. Um, immediately we get a voiceover of old man Steve and Sam talking at the end of Endgame about the shield and basically sam is like you know sam we go back to that same quote where sam is like it feels like it belongs to somebody else so then we see sam in a suit um he has uh the shield in the same the same case that cap left for him uh putting it back uh seemingly and then we jump right in uh opening credits and i have a question what do you, th- yeah. do you think you had to get that custom made that case because i don't know how many people are asking for like where are you buying a case that's perfectly fits a gigantic shield that looked really old, and remember, it was the same case yeah. that uh, I mean, it was uh, Steve had it. So, like, I wonder yeah, if you know I, I mean, wonder though? if he got it. Because oh, it's not like you go it's, if you go to Urban Outfitters and you go to like the tote bags, you're not finding one that's the shape of a gigantic shield. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's an interesting thought. Um, so as we as we jump right in, we cut to Sam on a jet. Um, he's working for the Air Force. Uh, they're chasing these dudes uh the group is called the laf and in the laf we find uh an old an old villain from captain america winter soldier batrock is there and uh that that was a nice little appearance uh steph it was nice to see somebody familiar to the mcu in this first little little action set uh what did you think so funny enough and i hate that you just set me up that way because (laughs) now the joke is on me uh, because the first watch, I didn't realize who that was. It was when I watched it again. And I was oh, like, okay. oh, I wait. only realized who it it's was. It's been a while since I've seen Captain America. I only realized who one. it was because I saw in the credits that uh, Jordi St. Pierre was going to be in it. The, the mix of martial artist. Um, and I'll say this. He is. Um, he got much better at acting in the few years since uh, Winter Soldier. <laughs> And I'm not saying that's a joke because he wasn't an actor, but like maybe it's just because whenever right. he's speaking his yeah. native French, like he didn't stick out like he'd in the Winter Soldier, he sticks out like a sore thumb is not an actor. But uh, anyway, he was much when he's speaking in French with his guys. I'm like, yeah, this guy's an actor. Why not? But <laughs> what I did like about uh, seeing him, though, is that, um, you know, he is payback. Or mm. the payback extracted against him. But, like, oh, does true. he? Right, yeah. So I'm just like, okay, that's that's nice. So we're doing that. That's great. True. There's a little like running theme that I'll get to later in terms of the fact that like it seems like there's a few different types of villains in this show that um that is interesting in terms of uh, maybe a gang or a squad that they may form at at some point. But um, as the scene continues, uh, Sam is Sam is looking after and trying to ca- uh, get Captain Vasant trying to save him and um it's a nice action sequence um as jake mentioned last week uh falcon has some of the best uh just aerial scenes that you'll see Agreed. Yeah, like it was yeah. really really fun really fun so what 
It just, it's so, di- it's dynamic in a way. And I know I've used that word a lot when I talk about action, but like, and I don't even know what I mean by it, but I think the big thing about him with his flying scenes is that obviously it's a little confusing with like the gorge in this, but like you kind of always have a general idea of what he's doing and where he's going and how he relates to the space. Whereas Tony Stark, a lot of times when the, when Iron Man was flying, you just see him against a blue background of the sky and you don't know what's going on. But like Sam is just so much more up close and personal. And um, honestly, as a big fan of Mission Impossible 6, any helicopter chase, I mean, I'm there for it. So I really, I enjoyed this. Yeah, I mean, to your point, it was it was very dynamic. It was very fun. Um, we get introduced to another new character here, uh, Lieutenant Torres who's actually somebody from the comic books um, in the comics is a very different uh, person to this point, but basically he is uh, assistant to Sam. He's Sam's Falcon to Sam's Captain America. Uh, Steph, this introduction to this new, new character. Well, what did you think of him? Um, I have my own thoughts that I'll get to in a second, but um, what do you think of his intro? Um, I thought it was fine. Although I will say um, now I'm wondering, you know, what is going to happen with him moving forward? Like, is Marvel going to lean into the full weird and, you know, have him grow his feathers? Because that's when we meet him in the comics. Yeah. Or um, will he have like the same animatronic um, or mechanical, I should say. What am I? I'm thinking of Five Nights at Freddy, excuse me. Same mechanical <laughs> um, <laughs> wings as Sam. But to be honest, I was actually kind of surprised he was introduced so early on and also that he was introduced anyway. Um, Cause again, like I didn't pay much attention to like the casting news outside of the bigger names. Right. Right. And, and I think, I know some of the discussion online, uh, some people did not like the fact that he was introduced as military and we know how this yeah. kind of goes when it comes to these, uh, these particular shows, when it comes to cap and, falcon and stuff like that where the government's involved and the army's involved and and things of that nature you kind of get the whole propaganda thing um which um hits too close to home for some people um for me i generally try to skip it um it doesn't bother me to that degree but i do think uh you know it, it would be remiss of me if i didn't know that this is a i actually have some thoughts on this yeah, go ahead because i think that i think it's absolutely true that Anytime the military is used in this sort of way, it obviously is propaganda. Yeah. And I think that the the complaints are very, very valid. However, I think a thing that people on Twitter need to have in perspective is that like being not, even though I agree with it, that's this statement, thinking that the US military is not a force of good is an incredibly minor opinion in the United States. Mm-hmm. Like 80% of Americans probably would agree with the statement, yeah, the US military is good. Like, so the idea that a Marvel show, like it's, yes, it is propaganda because the military is like paying them like for good. But like most people in America, if you went for a person on the street, they would be like, the military should be portrayed good. So it's not like, I think if it was a thing where most people were very critical of the military and they were being shown as only good in TV shows, that'd be one thing, but it's like, if you go in a room with 100 Americans, 80 of them are going to be like, what do you mean there's a problem that the military showed in a positive light? So, like, I just, it yeah. kind of feels like you're asking a gigantic mega corporation to have a fringe position. And it's like, I wish that they were anti all that stuff. I wish they're anti imperialist, but maybe we should work on getting actual real people to have that opinion before we start asking mega corporations to do it, you know? Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Steph, any further thoughts? Um, 
No, just kind of to Jake's point and just the whole thing of, um, I don't know, like, I just feel like realistically in the real world, like the military would find a way to be involved with, you know, heroes. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, why wouldn't they? They're they're the same folks that show up in movies when aliens come and think that they're going to do something. They don't do anything but get in the way. But yeah. Um, also, am I wrong? Is that the U.S. military, at least in some capacity, is not going to end up being the good guy in this, right? Like, I think that's kind of obvious. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like, that's, yeah. yeah. Well, and then one more thing, though. Um, I will say that I wish that we maybe we got more heroes on the screen that don't have to be involved with. I agree. Like, they don't have any military type of connections because Blade, like, the military is not showing up in any of his things because, like, it's Blade. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. Right. I wish that we had more of that. Um, yeah. So, I and I, and but I think point. even for even for Sam's story, though, I think unfortunately, if because part of it as we get on the episode is how he's had clearly hasn't had as like lucrative opportunities you'd expect a superhero to have, and so like if you're a guy who has you know ties to the Air Force and like wings and special ops experience, you're going to be probably doing contracts for the military to make ends meet. I mean that's. I don't know. I think that once again, I think every criticism is valid. Right. At the same time, it, on the scale of how bad it has been in pop culture, this didn't even really register with me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like they, they have shows where freaking John Krasinski's taking down the Venezuelan government. Like, I don't really. Th- this is not right. that bad in comparison. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a fair point. And and moving on with the rest of the scene, um, I I loved the way that Sam was just offing dudes in the air where he had the little oh, hook yeah. thing he hooked uh-huh. the dude out the helicopter um <laughs> him showing up in the in the in the middle of the plane and, and stuff saying what's up and it, it was a nice little touch um i really enjoyed that scene so the scene ends up closing uh with uh, batrock escaping but uh sam saving uh, captain Vassant, and then we cut to uh sam and torres talking and they're having a chat about certain things. And uh, Sam is very possessive about uh, Red Wing when he try when uh, Torres tries to touch Red Wing. And it's it's funny, like from a personality standpoint, I felt like I learned a lot more about Sam in this episode mm-hmm. than at any point in the MCU mm-hmm. and how he is and how kind of not only possessive he is, but there is there's a how do you say he's not he doesn't notice sometimes what's it what's in front of him. And I hope that mm-hmm. um, they continue to to go forward in that story and try and tell us that like, and him for him to realize that, you know, there's more than just being, uh, you know, assistant to cap as a, uh, as we've seen throughout. So basically in the conversation that he and Torres are, Torres are having first Torres mentions this group called the flag smashers that he's noticed online. I'm um, having a heavy presence in just like destabilizing countries and just having this ideology uh, Jake, you had something you want to yes, say? Yes, I just want to say, I, and I, I don't know why I raised my hand. I, I'm an ass, but it's I, okay. I raised my the, hand. The, the thing that it, the thing it made me immediately think of, and just because I don't know if we're gonna move on from it, and the way it's introduced, and I can't believe I'm going back to this again, but like it reminds me so much of the Syndicate from the last two Mission Impossible movies. Like it feels like, and I'm obviously assuming that it's a real thing in the comics, but like it is like so almost one to one the way they talk about it, and it definitely. Uh, so I, I'm excited about that if it's like that in those movies. Anyway, continue. Well, that's the thing, like, and I'm sure Steph knows, uh, Flag Smasher in the comics is just a dude. It's just a dude who Mm. literally is just, like, smashing flags. He's just about, um, he's about destabilizing things, and this message was 
uh, reinforced by Torres in terms of what they want to do in in light of the in light of the snap and everything that happened there. And then Torres asks Sam about Cap and where he's at. Is he on the moon uh, <laughs> in a base somewhere? Did you fly him somewhere? Um, where do you guys think Cap is at? Because they because we see later that. And in the Smithsonian, it's listed in in his file that he's retired. Uh, where 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 is Cap? Cap clearly, I don't. I think they wanted to leave it as he's not dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you guys think Cap is at? Either you go. Go staff first because I have a joke answer. <laughs> oh my god, he is um, at Denny's getting a grand slam. <laughs> my joke was going to be he's in the villages, but your joke is better. Um, no, in actuality, <laughs> I think he's probably like where a specific place. I don't know, but somewhere that he's not going to be found or bothered. Um, uh, or, I mean, because clearly he uh, he's not long for this world anymore. And so mm-hmm. I don't think that um, like if he wanted people to know where he was, he wouldn't have appeared on the park bench. He would have appeared amongst all the other Avengers, you know. Um, right. So he's probably like at, in some hideout cabin or something. Um, you know, yeah, and and as we uh, as we leave that, uh, Sam is very vague. Clearly, he kind of has an idea where Cap is, but doesn't want to say. Um, we cut to a scene of Sam at the Smithsonian making a speech about Captain America. They're commemorating not only his service but the Shield itself. Um, we see that Rhodey is there. Don Cheadle making a, an appearance in the first episode. Uh, shout out to that. Uh, that was interesting. So as soon as Sam finishes his speech, uh, not only he comes up to Rhodey, but he comes up to this government official who says, um, basically, I'm, I'm really glad that you made this uh, made this decision to give up the shield. And it makes me wonder, was Sam nudged into giving up the shield or did he just willingly straight up give it up on his own? I think he was think? asked. I think he probably was didn't know what to do with it. And then the moment they asked him, he said yes, because he was looking for an out. Because I don't think it was, I don't think yeah. he had to coerce him into it. Because clearly he wasn't comfortable with having it, you know? And I think yeah. that he probably got some sense of relief when they asked for it. Because he was in a, it was an excuse to get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of pre- I mean, in, in general, like, just the way that he responded and just the way that we see him in the opening scene, um, it feels like there's pressure on him that he doesn't want. He wants to do something uh, mm-hmm. different with his life. He just wants to do these missions with the Air Force. And and uh, as we find out later, uh, save his family's boat and things of that nature. The shield is very low on his list of priorities at the moment. So we eventually cut to Sam and Rhodey talking. And, and Rhodey is kind of surprised that Sam didn't take the shield. He asked, why didn't you take up the mantle? And um, Sam uses the same line. I thought it was. I thought the shield was uh, meant for someone else, and that someone else is Steve. And um, it, it's interesting how Sam we learn is like he's reinforcing this point that he doesn't. He doesn't want this. He doesn't feel comfortable uh, with with the idea of him being this symbol mm-hmm. uh, that that uh, Steve Rogers um, exemplified to a whole lot of people. So it was interesting seeing that and. Uh, and uh, I hope we see Rhodey again in this series. Uh, it was nice to see him at least for a little bit. But um, is there anything that you guys took from their conversation? Was that the first time they've ever had a conversation that long? 
very yeah it's that long yeah that long yes old civil war civil war they remember they had a conversation about the accords where they were disagreeing on on whether the accords was the right thing and uh, obviously roadie was on the side of the accords and sam was on the other side so they basically had an argument like that but not to that extreme. i I think that roadie was actually like a perfect character to have that conversation with though for sam because he is both someone who is like a more senior Avenger than Sam, but like doesn't have like the baggage that everyone else. Because like you know the other Avengers who all the other people who have more time being a superhero than Sam all have are either dead or like have more complications. And so like I just I believe that Rhodey would be looking to be a sage mentor in this moment and like trying to help him out. It didn't feel like oh they just want to throw in a character. It was like oh no these are guys who work together and clearly. Rhodey hat feels like he has a perspective to provide and I thought it was a nice conversation I thought it was very nice that they managed to shoot it in such a way where it looked like Don Cheadle is Anthony Mackie's height that was fun um <laughs> and uh yeah I mean also the museum looks great um but yeah I, I did I I, enjoy, I was really ex- I was excited to see him and I think that this is the great thing about the MCU where it's like you don't need to make up uh you because in if in a non-MCU show in a non-universe show they'd have to make up some Air Force mentor that Sam had and introduce him right there. But like, no, they have a character that can do that already, you know? Yeah, and I think what's relatable also between Sam and Rhodey is they both are like seconds of or sidekicks to a higher up. Uh, Rhodey with Iron Man and uh, Sam with Cap. So it, it, there is a relatability there where- And there's the, kinda... the difference that, the, the big difference between them though is that Sam is a, has markedly different, like a lo- different look. Everything about him is different. Whereas Rhodey effectively is just another version of Iron Man, you know, like his suit and stuff. Right. So I think that that's like a notable thing that he's like, that for Rhodey, it's not that strange to suggest to pick up the shield. It's like, I'm just wearing a different colored Iron Man suit, you know? Right, 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 right. So, you know, I hope to see more of that at, at some point going forward. That would be really cool. But then we cut to uh, a really really fun and uh quick action-packed almost like a nightmare sequence per se at least at the start it is uh with bucky as the winter soldier taking out a whole bunch of people killing the target of his apparently then he sees a witness uh by the door and eventually he kills the dude because he sees the dude as a is a witness so then off of that bucky wakes up and in a cold sweat and stuff like that so we see him in therapy. Uh, can we talk Dr. about? We can talk about that dream sequence. Oh well, no, we're we're, I, we're, we're yeah. Oh, we're about to. What did about you think? The, I want to talk about the actual action sequence itself. Like not. Yeah. What, I did, you, what just, did you think, Jake? I thought it was just. I just want to say it was really awesome to see Bucky as like a supernatural evil force again, because that's kind of how he is at the beginning of the Winter Soldier, where it's like he's an unstoppable evil like almost like a michael myers type figure you know where you see his arm come through the wall like that's like you know real villain shit and i thought it was really fun to see that again that score uh the winter soldier score is just so like it's so foreboding it's so good so good Uh, steph what did you think of that scene um i enjoyed it um i enjoyed all the action scenes um in this entire episode so I i enjoyed it and to Jake's point, to kind of see like the very nefarious, evil Michael Myers esque uh, Bucky Barnes. Yeah, capturing the dude from behind the wall. That was pretty fire. Um, yeah. um, I like that. And uh, yeah, so we cut to Bucky waking up um, in a cold sweat. He thinks it's a nightmare, 
But um, we cut to him going to therapy with Dr. Oh, wait. Rainer. Wait, yeah. real quick. Yes. Is he sleeping on the floor because he's like he's just comfortable that way, or you know, does Bucky Barnes refuse to get a mattress? Like, what's the like? He's on the floor. I, I actually have. I think the answer probably is not consciously, but subconsciously, he feels like he doesn't deserve comfort. Like, I think that that's probably, I think that, and I, I don't know what he actually, what his actual, what he tells himself he's doing, but I can just imagine that like he doesn't like to give himself the pleasure of sleeping under a blanket. I can see that. Uh, that's like, I mean, that just pop psychology, but I, it just feels like, kind, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of the same reference from when Sam asks Cap at the beginning of Winter Soldier, like about, about how he sleeps and you can't sleep on a bed. It feels like a marshmallow and like you're mm. going to sink into it. Mm. And so, it, it's, it, it was almost like a callback to that. I like that. I had a feeling, but it was just, like, it was just stuck out to me. Like, wow, y'all really made it a point to show this man <laughs> yeah. waking up on the floor. He definitely, he definitely could we be featured it. on, what is it? Like, what's that subreddit? Like uh, single guy rooms or whatever. Um. <laughs> That's what I thought of too. Oh man. But I love that um, they're like calling back to the point that, mm-hmm. you know, even though he is who he is, he still has PTSD. So mm-hmm. that's probably a big reason why he's also yeah. sleeping on the hard ass floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as we get to in the therapy scene, um, it's pretty clear. I mean, if you think about it, Bucky's been fighting for 90 years, like 90 mm-hmm. years, killing people, being like the top assassin, having his his brain being brainwashed like multiple times, having thing, his mind clear. Like after all of that, shoot, how much therapy? You, you would need a whole lot of therapy. So mm-hmm. um, it's nice to see him actually get some here with Dr. Rayner. And uh, she's a uh, she's a tough customer, uh, a doctor. Raider. What did what did Jake? What did you make of her character? I mean, I I have complicated thoughts about therapy scenes and everything, um, because I just think that my whole thing. I think mean, I think Doctor Rainer's not great, but also I just can't like Bucky. You you pull pull and you're making up why Bucky needs therapy. Like it's one thing if you're like a tr- a troubled teen in a TV show and you don't think you need therapy, fine. But the fact that Bucky is like resistant to therapy, it's like, dude, you've been brainwashed 17 times, you've killed hundreds of people. The fact that you can't see that it might be helpful to be in therapy of all people, you absolutely should be in therapy. And when he's like being combative, like I don't have a nightmare, it's like I understand that that's how people who are like that are like. But it's like, dude, yeah. like come on, you don't need to act tough. You have the worst brain in the world. Like you can you can admit you need help. Um, but yeah, it definitely was. Uh, I thought that it was um, it was interesting, and I'm glad for him that he's in therapy, even though it's court mandated. Right, <laughs> basically. Um, um, Steph, what did you think of this whole scene and how it played out? Um, I thought it was fine. I was just like, wow, she really isn't handling him with kid gloves. But I guess mm. you wouldn't, because again, ex Hydra assassin. I will continue mm. to bring that up. Um, but like, I, I thought it was a nice touch because this is one of the more uh, slower. I guess human element type um, scenes that we get and the show really shines because well, I can't talk shines in these moments. So I I, I liked it. Yeah, and, and as we find out in the scene, we see that uh, Bucky is trying to make amends. Um, he's trying to stop all of the Hydra context that he enabled to have any type of power in whether it's government or anything in the world. Um, we see him stop some lady uh who's a government official and then and then we also see his list he has a list full of like nine or ten names or something along those lines one of those names is helmet zemo so 
uh, you know, it, we're, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when uh, when he when he encounters Zemo at some point, and it seems like he's not trying to be violent at the moment. We'll see how long that lasts. I don't know if it's going to last very long, but uh, at least initially, he's trying to be on his best behavior. So we cut from that scene to uh, Bucky in Brooklyn as uh, he meets a he meets a, a friend of his, uh, his his uh, an older gentleman by the name of Yori. Um, that's a, it was a nice little, it was a nice little scene to see, uh, Bucky have like, a, an interaction with somebody who's not, um, an Avenger, somebody who's not mm-hmm. one of the, our main MCU characters, somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake, what did you think of that? I, that, it, uh, I like it. And I think that it, it feels very, um, it feels very true to the character in that he, well, we obviously find out why he's talking to him now. But like you have to for- you forget that Bucky is you know a hundred years old. So like it, it, I like that his friend's like an old man. And also you know you like you you do I think need to see him be somewhat adjusted to regular life, not like fully, but like I think that it would be a lot harder to root for his redemption if he like didn't talk to anyone, and didn't have any acquaintances. Like he's making an effort, which I think is very important. That he's try he's genuinely trying to live in the world. Right. And and then so Yori and Bucky are having drinks at the bar and uh, Yori convinces uh, convinces a, a, a girl by. Oh, shoot. I can't even remember what's that. Do you did you guys catch it? Catch what her name is? Was uh, it, I, don't, I don't have that time. Mary? I'll look it up, though. Keep going. I'll look it up. Oh, Leah, Leah. Never yeah. mind. I got it. It's right. it, it's a uh, Leah. So so uh, Yori convinces Bucky uh, to go out on a date with Leah, which which was nice. But at the same time, as this is happening. Uh, Yori is talking about like his his deep sorrow over the fact that his son died um, overseas um, while he was on uh, doing an internship. And um, as we find out that that nightmare sequence was not a nightmare, it was something that actually happened. Well, to be, I did. Did you guys think it was a nightmare? I I knew it was real. The whole no, time. no, oh, no. Like thing. initially, like initially when you first watch it, like you don't know if. Uh, oh, I, I there's no question. There was no question to me that it was a flashback. Honestly, I don't. I it just was because it's just like I. It was so clear that like he, you know, he remembers it all. That's I mean the the line that uh in uh Civil War. Um, when Cap, I mean, when Tony asked him, "Do you at least remember them?" and he says, "I remember it all," that I that definitely stuck with me. Yeah, no, and most definitely. So you continue to see that trauma and everything that that Bucky is dealing with, hitting full circle there. Um, St- Stephanie, what did you make of this idea that you know, even as Bucky tries to assimilate into regular life, it just seems like it's going to be a very long road for him to get back to any type of normalcy, if at all. Well, yeah, because he's like befriended um, this person who is that his son that he killed? Yes, yeah, yes, his son he killed, right? Yeah. And I kind of saw that coming a mile away because I'm like, there's a reason they're showing this to us. And then, like, when I saw mm-hmm. the old gentleman, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah well, now I know what this is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, it's just like, uh, have you killed this person's relative, Bucky? Can you formulate a friendship? Or like, is he making new friends based off of this? So I, I mean, even though I like I saw it coming, I'm like I still still like it because it's just very I don't know, like it just fits fits this kind of action road to redemption type of situation. 
Yeah, and it's not an easy road, and it's not a road that's clearly defined like it's going to be something that where he comes back from this and immediately is like, okay, everything is good. Mm-hmm. This is just something that he's going to eventually have to come to terms with and live with the fact that he's done all of this type of terrible, all these types yeah. of terrible things. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we as we continue and we cut to Louisiana, Sam is back in his uh, hometown. Uh, we see we meet his sister Sarah, Sarah, who I really really enjoy in this in this episode. Uh, uh, there's a very there's a very brotherly sisterly uh, back and forth that we that we see between the two of them, mm-hmm. and um, that that was very fun. Steph, what what did you make of Sarah's uh, first appearance? Um, I, I really enjoyed it. What did you think? Um, I really enjoyed it. I was like, okay, so this is the element that's going to make me actually care about Sam Wilson. I can get with this. Um, but I have to say that I had not realized that uh, Sam was. That's right. Sam isn't from New Orleans. You know who knew who is from New Orleans? Monica Rambeau. And they keep switching up the Black characters, cities, mm. and origins up, and it's pissing me off. But anyway. Um, no, because wasn't Sam one? Was, Sam was from Harlem, right? Yes, he's from Harlem. So anyway, that's so unfortunately. <laughs> realizing that and also like the family owning a boat, a yeah, like a fisherman's boat and all this stuff, like made me think, wow, so. I'm not going to get Monica Rambeau, the captain of the sea, because you've given this to Sam. And it's a I mean, no, I think man. the reason Thanks they gave lot. it to Sam is because that's Anthony, because Anthony Mackie's from Louisiana. Yeah, think, yeah. That makes I mean, sense. I, I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to say that to excuse them fucking up Monica Rambeau. But I don't <laughs> think it's like, you know, we're going to take this for Monica Rambeau. Oh, I think no, that they probably, <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, if I'm being honest, I think just having a superhero from some, like there's enough superheroes from New York. Uh, as it is oh, right so it's fine just make yeah. yeah. them oh that's fair <laughs> so so they continue that they continue their little banter and then sarah basically says listen i'm gonna sell this boat uh the family boat because the last five years have been pretty rough and mm-hmm. um after the blip and this is kind of like the first time that we see uh the blip being shown in a way that there are uh financial issues there are just logistics issues Mm -hmm. that people have um in this episode which i thought was was a nice little touch there and of course sam is very sam is very very cocky sam is Mm -hmm. very arrogant in terms of the way that he's thinking like oh don't worry we could get a loan no worries we can consolidate everything Mm -hmm. everything's gonna be fine don't have to worry about a thing and he's like he's pleading he's pleading he's pleading and Sarah, and what I love is Sarah is the Sarah is the quintessential. I know this is not gonna work out. Yeah. But you know what? I'm gonna let you have it, and, mm-hmm. and we and we're gonna see what yeah. we're gonna see that's, what happens. That's my favorite thing to do. And because she's she's like, because he's being so condescending, like like you think. I didn't try all this shit you're talking about. You think I was just too stupid to think about consolidating a loan? Like, and, but of course, cause he's, you know, and as they get to, he's, he was not there when things were tough and he only comes around and he thinks he can solve everything just, you know, in two seconds. And, uh, you know, he's uh, wrong. <laughs> right. And, and uh, just to get back to, before we continue with Sam and the loan scene, which I definitely want to get to, uh, we get, we go to Bucky and, uh, his date with uh, Leah, and it is interesting to see Bucky like su- like such a fish out of water in this element. Mm-hmm. Um, you got the little cat thing with the moving arm that he keeps mm-hmm. trying to stop. He's just so uncomfortable. Um, they're playing a uh, battleship, uh, and they're trying to have so- uh, some type of semblance of a conversation. And um, 
eventually the conversation leads to uh, Leah talking about Yuri losing his son and and the worst thing that can happen to anybody mm-hmm. is uh, is a parent you losing their child, which uh, causes Bucky to leave, um, you know, in a huff. Mm-hmm. So he he immediately goes to Yuri's door and he basically is like um, he basically apologize. He, he apologizes and he's very like he just like he doesn't obviously he can't tell him what he did. But there's just so much guilt that he's stuck with um, mm-hmm. in, in terms of what's happening there. So the 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 trauma side of Bucky is so apparent. Um, it, it's very heavy. Jake, what did you think of this scene, I the thought, date scene and the Yori stuff? I thought the date scene was fun. I wish that there was, I wish they played a little more with the age and stuff like that. Cause I, I liked the, I thought they were going to do a bit where he kept saying that he was a hundred and she thought he was joking. I wish that they kept going with that. Like when he kept saying things and she's like, oh, you're so crazy. Yada, yada, yada. But anyway. <laughs> I think that the bit where he, because like he hears her talking about it and he's like overwhelmed. He's like, clearly what's in his head is, okay, I have to, I have to just go apologize to him. And it's that thing where you call someone and you want to say something, but then when you hear their voice, they answer like, you're like, I can't do it. You know? And the moment he sees him, because I think when he was knocking on the door, he was going to tell him exactly what happened. But the moment, because when he's about to knock on the door, it's an idea. But then the moment he sees his friend, Yori, and he knows how that that would ruin their friendship. He can't do it, you know? And what it reminds me a lot of is in Jessica Jones when uh, Jessica's basically befriends and is around Luke Cage because she feels bad that he, right. that she killed uh, Luke Cage's wife. Now, obviously, this is a lot less messy because Bucky does not have sex with Yori. Um, but uh, <laughs> real fucked up what you did, Jessica. Um, but I yes. I think it is. It's not, but it's not too dissimilar. Like the reason why Bucky's around him is because I think he thinks that like, he, I, I, he's telling himself, I imagine this is, I'm trying to get into the mind of a fictional character, but that, you know, if I just spend enough time with him, either he will absolve me or I'll be able to tell him the truth, but he's not prepared to do anything to do that. Like, he's like, at some point I'll be able to do it. At some point I'll be able to tell him the truth, but he can't. And the longer he goes, not telling the truth, the more it becomes harder for him to do it. Cause the better a friend he is of Yori, the harder it is for him to betray him like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Steph, any additional thoughts on this scene? Uh, no. Excellent. Really Excellent. So, yeah, so like we'll uh we'll, we'll we'll go jump to the to Sarah and Sam continuing their banter, then ending up at the bank to get the loan. This was a scene that brought up a lot of conversation. Um, I really I really enjoyed this scene. It was too funny. Um, in so many ways, because first the bank teller is doesn't recognize who Sam is, and then Sam does the little the little Falcon thing <laughs> to, to let him know that, that that he's the Falcon, and then he asks for a photo, and then um and then he asks for the and then Sam asks for the loan, and he's like, ah, hey, well, you know what? Sorry, I can't give it to you. And and then Sarah just has that Sarah has that look as I discussed earlier the quintessential black woman who knows knows that she's right about what's happening here, and um, Sam didn't want to listen and Sam thought because he was an Avenger he could get alone. Um, it, it did lead to a lot of questions online of why didn't Tony Stark have a little extra money on the side for the Avengers? But um, well, you know that's not that question, here though, I think someone made a point though that the last like three years before the events of Infinity War. Uh, Sam was a fugitive, so like he wasn't on the Avengers payroll anymore. 
That is true. That is so true. But, you, but what would think after the fact that, like, you know, look out for your principles? fair, but think about how fast the event. I don't know. I I also, I mean, obviously, yeah, Tony Stark fucked the people over. But it's also not like, he, he has to keep in mind <laughs> that, like, even though End, Infinity War and Endgame were two movies, that's like a couple days. So in, in Falcon's life, he was only in Tony Stark's good graces again for, like, 24 hours. So, like, I, I, I get why he wasn't on the payroll. No, obviously, once again. There should have been bonuses left for who got blipped back, but one would anyway. think. But but Steph, I do want to get your thoughts on this scene because it was a great it was a great scene. What did you think of all of that? What happened? Uh, I was like, wow, how unfortunate you can be this high flying, uh, you know, operative, um, be so competent at what you do, but it means absolutely nothing when you step your black behind in that bank. So. Um, mm. I, I liked it, um, and I actually like the fact that we got that scene first with uh, Sam doing all of the action, and then um, he is grounded, as we are also grounded in this reality that, you know, uh, the same rules apply to him. So um, I, I thought it was a good scene. I know there were some grumblings about that, but I'm like, well, I mean, it wasn't a lie. I mean, it wasn't. And on top of that, you get all the you get the little microaggressions of the dude asking him for the selfie and everything. But then just being like flatly, no, no, mm-hmm. we can't. And citing the whole snap situation and a few billion people showing up. Um, obviously, it's a good it's a good explainer in terms of like why we can't, you know, be giving out loans like that to people. But as uh, Sarah said, it's interesting that it happens to us so easily. Um, but so. So Sam obviously dejected. Uh, Sarah's just like, you know, whatever, dude. Uh, and um, as Sam is back at the boat, uh, Lieutenant Torres calls him um, because earlier uh, Lieutenant Torres goes to uh, go after the flag smashers and go kind of like impersonate, you know, basically impersonate one and see what they're up to. Almost like a, a little spy mission. This was not Lieutenant Torres' smartest uh uh, smartest moment in, in terms of once if I see a dude jump off the top of a building and land right on his feet at that point I'm calling somebody I'm not gonna think that I'm gonna stop him so of course you know he goes to try and stop the guy the guy's clearly enhanced he beats the crap out of him breaks his orbital bone and uh and this flag smasher leaves him down so of, of course uh Torres calls Sam and uh, basically says that these guys are enhanced. There's a, you know, there's something going on there. It's, you know, it's a little bit of a struggle. And it looks like Sam will be on the case soon enough. Um, but as we get to the episode's end, we have one final scene as Sarah calls Sam to the TV. And we see the same government official that we see at the Smithsonian. And he is saying that we need a new hero. We need inspiration. We need we need something to inspire us once again, and we see out of nowhere uh, one Mister John Walker, aka U.S. Agent, with Cap Shield. Um, he is the new Captain America, and he smiles and winks at the camera. Sam looks dejected, frustrated, hoodwinked, bamboozled. Let us stray. <laughs> and, now, I mean, you're forgetting, and I'm forgetting but you're, there's a big detail in what the uh, official says, which is, I think, very notable. And I think a very important what's going to be a lot of the discourse about the series in a good way. He says that we didn't, that there are heroes to protect the world, but we need a superhero to protect America, which <laughs> is like obviously very antithetical to what superheroes try to represent in this yeah. world. We're like, 
um, you know, I don't think that I'm speaking at turn when I say that American interests often don't uh, aren't probably the best thing for the world as a whole a lot of times. So I I think it's very interesting that not it's interesting and completely to be expected in if superheroes were real that. America would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. We like that you're, you know, stopping Thanos because he's going to kill us all. But like, <laughs> what about like, can't, why, why are you not doing stuff for us? Like, you know, there's the, the these terrorists that we, that are going to try to, like, why are you not doing anything about them or this oil we want to secure? Why are you doing anything about that? And so I think it's very, I think a very good way to position it where it's like, this isn't, because he's not, even though Captain America obviously is named Captain America. This guy's not a new Captain America. His Captain America was not beholden to the U.S. government by the end of it, right. you know? Um, and I think that I'm very interested to see how they play that of, like, that obviously the interests of a country are not the interests of the world. Well, we know John Walker's a little bit of a dick. We know John Walker has a little bit of a bad attitude. Um, I do want to see how that fits in, in this series. The showrunner, uh, Malcolm Spellman, has talked about how they wanted to humanize him a little bit more. Uh, Steph, this first introduction to John Walker, what did you think? Uh, that they cast the right guy. Sorry, Wyatt Russell, but you have strong... <laughs> I watched Fox News face. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, like, it was just dead on, and now they... Now he mentioned he wanted to humanize uh, John Walker yeah, yeah, this was a thing that was said. Like he wanted him to not be exactly like the comic books. To, almost like there are shades of gray to a degree that he is this he is this war veteran. Um it's not just simply like I'm drunk with power and drunk with government corruption. Uh, there's a little bit more. Now I don't know what exactly what that entails, but that that is what he said. Okay, because that's just kind of interesting because you could argue that the John Walker in the comics would be relatable and humanized, is, is humanized and relatable in many ways uh, because he, again, holds a lot of values that um, a lot of folks presently like are very open about. So yeah. that's interesting. I'm going to put that in my back pocket and pay attention to that because... <laughs> Hmm. I, I yeah I do look forward to him tangling with Sam and Bucky at mm -hmm. some point that should be fun um the introduction was great it was just the wink to the camera was perfectly cheesy and evil at the same time uh we only have a couple minutes left with Steph so I wanted to quickly get into the credits because apparently the credits had um a few little harbingers of things to come uh, there were two things that we saw. One of them was a picture of uh, the actor Carl Lumbly, who apparently, had, and by his picture, was a little cutout. Um, it had a subject number to it. It looks like uh, Carl is playing Isaiah Bradley, uh, the Black Captain America from uh, World War II. Uh, Stephanie, like, I'm sure you know a lot about Isaiah Bradley. What do you think of them going with this storyline? This is a very interesting way for them to uh, to take this story. Um, I like that they're introducing it. It might not just be for the for like good reasons. It's just because I know that it's going to have the timeline in shambles because, um, you know, if they really if Malcolm Spellman and 
and crew are able to, or write, the writers room are able to do what they need to, they will lean into um, kind of like, you know, America's exploits and experimenting on black folks. But I don't know, like this isn't on HBO. So I don't know if they're gonna lean into that. And if they don't, then I'm like, well, why even introduce him? Cause like, that's very important to, yeah. you know, so, how so he came to be. I think I'm following, I'm assuming just based on what you said in the way that the world is that the black cats America existed. Cause like they did experiments with super souls received serum before they knew it was safe on black people first. Is that what happened? No, no. Um, Steve, Steve Rogers was already experimented uh, on, but they were concurrently uh, trying to, yeah, they were concurrently doing the same thing to other black soldiers as well. But without like consent or something like that, I'm assuming just based on yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. basically. Okay. Yeah, I honestly, honestly, I think that they. I don't want to be wrong on this, but I think that that's something that they wouldn't be that afraid to touch, just based on like, because uh, well, because I, I think that is something now, especially like I, I think that that's something we talk about more openly. Like, even though we obviously I, people shit on uh, U.S. history classes <laughs> in America all the time, which they should, but like that was something that like I learned about in high school. So I don't think that it's like that crazy oh, of a subject yeah. for them to. Like, I don't think that they would be afraid to do it, is what I'm saying. Once again, I could be wrong, and but I don't think that they'd be like. I don't think they'd consider that super right. controversial. I mean, for me, like I feel like they're just gonna use um, Isaiah Bradley as not only a conduit to his grandson, who will be a future young Avenger, Eli Bradley, yeah. a patriot. And um, also probably to give Sam the motivation to be uh, Captain America um, at some point, whenever he meets. And there was one other thing that we saw in the credits, Steph, before you go, the, we saw the power broker watching. Ah, Uh, So I'm guessing that this power broker is the one bankrolling the flag smashers uh, with enhancements and maybe John Walker as well. Uh, yeah. what, do, what do you think of that? Um, it's comic book connections and its potential. Um, I like it. Um, I think he could be bankrolling at the very least John Walker. And that means that we shall get another black character, uh, sir. What is his name? Lamar Hoskin. Oh, uh, Battlestar. Battlestar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, well, I just looked at a power broker that was founded by a guy named Curtis Jackson. Are we getting 50 Cent up in here? <laughs> is he he, you know he found a power broker and then he used that money to invest in the vitamin water oh my if, god if we did i would um i don't know what i would do i never <laughs> tell you the story of i went to uh an advanced screening i'm sorry do you waste your time talking about this stuff i went to an advanced it's screening okay. movie spy with melissa mccarthy and 50 cent has like a brief cameo in it but for some reason he was there to introduce the movie and so he came out was like yeah this movie i was in a couple scenes and he kept getting interrupted by people yelling g unit um and yeah it was great oh my I just God. Finished randomly in a movie theater for a movie he was in for literally two minutes anyway so so yeah so basically like it, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes going forward um and we'll definitely talk about that as this series goes on and find out if this is there's a a, a grander connection to things uh but i do want to thank stephanie williams for joining us as she always does and um yeah we will talk to you next week steph give us the yeah. follows right fast uh, you got it. All right. See y'all later. I think oh, she misheard you. It. You asked for the follows. And so I believe it's at Steph. I will. And then you can go with that. And you can get her link tree in her bio uh, and read all of her stuff. Yeah, she I definitely misheard that. me I, there. Um, that's but, not good, though. 
but yeah I'll, I'll i'll send her message after um so jake like as we close out there's just a couple of things that i did want to close out with um so overall in after seeing this first episode has your my bad has your i, I left no, it's just that this is what we this it was funny because I was just like she probably misheard me because I was like, yo, give the follows because I, I know you had to run out. I'm so sorry. Okay. No, it's all good. You can follow me at uh Steph underscore I underscore will on Twitter and Instagram. I am doing some coverage of the show, so um be on the lookout for those articles. Okay, now for real. I'm gone. All right, All right, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Take care. <laughs> so, Jake, um, so now after seeing this first episode, uh, n- did, did it change your opinion of what you thought this series was going to be? Did it do anything to your opinion not, at all? Or are you just not like, really. I mean, I'm still pretty excited about it. Um, I'm, the thing I'm excited about, actually, is that it feels like it's getting a lot of viewership, too, because so much of what we yeah. heard about WandaVision was the discussion about it. Um and like, yeah, it kind of started off. I didn't know how quickly they'd get together, but like the themes of it seem pretty much like what we thought they were going to be. Um, and I'm excited about that. And I, I think I'm just excited to see how they handle, you know, the 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 characters' growth because I think that this show is, even though it is more action packed, it seems clear that they're trying to, um, to be do like really care about what makes the characters tick, particularly Bucky, obviously. But I think also with Sam, like, I think the thing that, the thing that I could tell just based on the way that Sam's sister, Sarah was talking to him was how like his kind of, he kind of has a very similar problem to Bucky in that in different ways, their issue is that they only know how to move on to the next mission. Like Sam doesn't know how to function. He can't, be his sister's business partner because life doesn't give you another mission, you know? Like, he can't... He wants to save the boat because that's the next mission. And the same way that, like, they didn't say it explicitly because it's a very cheesy line, but, like, in the therapy scene, there's... I don't think I've heard it, like, a million times in anything in movies and TV about PTSD or war. It's like, Bucky's problem isn't that he wants peace. He says, like, I only want peace. No, he doesn't. He wants another mission. Like, that's the whole issue. And so I think that they need to have to, they're going to come to terms about that. Because even though they have such, like, diametrically opposite personalities, they both cope with just throwing themselves headfirst into a mission. And, you know, that's not a healthy way to cope. No, for sure. Um, for me, um, I, I feel like going forward, it, the, the story arcs of both Sam and Bucky are are fascinating. I I like the idea of Bucky looking for redemption and Sam trying to find his inner hero. Um, mm-hmm. How further does that go? And and what leads to him getting back the shield? Because mm-hmm. uh, we know at some point that he will. So that that'll be something mm-hmm. to see going forward. Um, I mentioned earlier. Uh, we have a couple of villains set up here. We know Batrock did not die um, mm-hmm. in that initial scene. He escaped. So we're, I'm, I'm curious to see how that happens. The Flag Smashers, um, what is their deal? What are, Who's bankrolling them? That's uh, That might be something that has um, inner MCU ties. Um, we'll find out soon enough. And uh, yeah, honestly, it's pretty, it's gonna it's gonna end up being the Mercer family. It always is. Anyway, no, the Cokes, the Cokes, actually, the Coke brothers are rolling now. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that was that was episode one of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Before we go, there was some news today uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We so Black Widow 
we've heard about forever that this movie's been delayed like 45,000 times. Uh, we finally have a, a release date, a real one, an accurate one, July 9th of this year. And uh, it will not only be in theaters, but it will also be on Disney Plus for an extra charge that one of those premier access things. And uh, Shang-Chi uh, will be debuting September 3rd of this year. And I appreciate them putting that two days before my birthday as a present to me by giving me the real Mandarin. Thank you, MCU. Appreciate that. So, Jake, uh, now that uh, Black Widow is officially out in theater, it will be officially out in theaters then. Um, not only the Disney Plus model, this is clearly something that we've talked about on this show before. Uh, what do you think about them actually for the first time taking a film? to Disney plus. Uh, I mean, I hate it. And I know that's the minority opinion, but I, I like movie theaters and I don't want them to die. <laughs> uh, and the thing is they're gonna, and it, I, once again, I don't, I get it. I yeah, get I it. I get why they are. Yeah. I think that a lot of people who bemoan the end of movie theaters, like, blame everything but the fact that like no it's because people would rather watch something at home than go to movie theaters and that's normal like i understand that that is the normal person's point of view and if and i'm someone who loves movies and cares very deeply about things like this so like i understand why most people wouldn't want to do that i hope that and this is I'm not no one's gonna be happy with me saying this i really hope that the disney premier access is more expensive than a movie theater ticket or else that absolutely means the movie theaters are dead um, no, I think it's thirty bucks. I think oh, it's thirty, 30 bucks. bucks? Tw- it's twenty nine oh. ninety nine. Oh, I mean, all case, of them have been twenty nine ninety nine. Okay, so in that case, I think that I think people are going to go to theaters. I'm actually a little surprised. I if if it was still going to come out on May seventh, I wouldn't have been surprised. But like July, I feel like I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like that uh, you know the vaccination number is going to be pretty high by July 9th. I, I think that they're probably yeah. just thinking. I think they're just thinking that people are going to be nervous about going to theaters and stuff like that, and that's fine. At least uh, initially. I think it's, I'm going to be there. Um, I'm, I'm also disappointed because I was hoping because I was going to be vaccinated by May 7th anyway. And so I was looking forward to going then. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, but, you know, it's, I'm glad to be able to get it. And I'm glad that, you know, it's finally firm. And you still got uh, Kong now, versus Godzilla. Yes, I know. Um, <laughs> but I was going to say that wasn't there supposed to be something in Black Widow that was a spoiler for Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Like, what was the deal with that? So, okay. So, Basically, once this delay happened, they switched around stuff. Mm-hmm. So we'll see something in related to what happens in Black Widow in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm. But they just changed the order of events. So ah, so like it's gonna be a little so they different. put right. So they'll put a, they'll put the stuff in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but it won't be like some weird time. They won't. Thing they won't. Rev- I, I imagine they probably also so won't reveal the whole truth of it or something like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. That and that. And that uh, that my assumption here, and I'll throw it out here right now, is that um, with Zemo included, and we're seeing a bunch of villains, I do see like some type of Thunderbolts uh, villain group being mm-hmm. formed. Uh, because, you know, we are not only in this show, we have the Flag Smashers, we got Zemo, we got Batroc here, mm-hmm. and who knows who else is going to show up. And in Black Widow, we got Taskmaster and Yelena and how all that's... And General Ross. General Ross, I think, is going to be a very big figure um, still mm-hmm. in the MCU going forward. So that'll be something to watch. And, um, yeah, it, it should be interesting. And, uh, yeah, we got four We got four MCU movies mm-hmm. still yet to come out this year. Uh-huh. Um, we got the Eternals in November and then Spider-Man in December. So it's like bang, bang, right to back, back to back and... All of these Disney Plus shows, Loki in June, uh, Marvel, What If, all that stuff, Hawkeye, Miss Marvel. My goodness, uh, we are going to be eating lovely 
Yes. Uh, uh, as no MCU fans. I, uh, as someone who, you know, will gladly finish a box of, you know, whatever snack in one run, even though he's getting a stomachache, I have absolutely no problem with all the content that they're providing us. No, it's going to be definitely fun to see going forward. So before we close this podcast out, Jake, where can we follow you, sir? You can follow me on Twitter at the J Christie. Listen to the other podcasts. They do uh, No Funk and Strictly Monkin with Andre Barrera. We go talk about the show Monk. I, I've been doing this faster and faster. Eventually, I can't do it faster. But, you know, uh, yeah, follow me there. Listen to that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. Uh, check out my writing at Murphy's Multiverse. I do have yes. a recap for this episode up. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, I should have a Justice League review coming out uh, maybe tomorrow, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just catch all of my stuff um, yes. at MurphsMultiverse.com. Speaking and of, course- of uh, Justice League, you can read the thread. I did a thread on the Justice League. Um, Jay most certainly did. This thing you have to do, though. Read Anthony's first for actual analysis. Because, oh, I don't know if I did. I maybe did three tweets that are analysis, and the rest of them were just things like they cast a guy who looks like Carl Urban, but not. And then the next tweet, (laughs) I should know. Then the next tweet is should have written Carl Suburban, you know, stuff like that. Um, (laughs) analysis. Jake. Oh man, but yeah, um, we may be having a conversation about uh, Snyder Cut next week. week. A week conversation. Oh, yeah, a little wee conversation with our guests next week. Um, but also follow the show on yeah. Twitter at MC University Pod. Um, you know, thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing. Mm-hmm. Uh, love seeing everybody engage with us. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that so much. Yeah. Keep following. I, have, uh, I haven't mentioned it, yes. um, but I haven't. I'll talk about it later with you guys. But I have an idea. When we get to a thousand followers, an idea of something we can do. And to so just try to get us to a thousand followers, because my idea, you know, it's, I think it's very fun. But it's something I would like to do when we get there. But I'll talk to you guys off the pod about that. All right. This sounds like a plan. Yeah. And uh, for Jake Christie, for Stephanie Williams, I'm Anthony Canton the third. This has been Marvel Cinematic University. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>